Chapter eighty of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter eighty spiritual wives i joined not in the merriment of my companions i took no share in their mirth the trapper's story had intensified the anguish of my thoughts and now that i found time to dwell upon its purport my reflections were bitter beyond expression i could have no doubt as to who was the heroine of that strange story she who had been so shamefully deceived she who had so nobly risked her life to save her honor she the wild huntress by the utahs called marani could be no other than that marion of whom i had heard so much marion holt the circumstances detailed by the trapper were perfectly conformable to this belief they concurred in establishing it the time the place the route taken the mormon train all agreed with what we had ascertained regarding stepan's first expedition across the prairies the mexican had mentioned no names it was likely he knew them not or if so it was scarcely probable he could have pronounced them but it needed not names to confirm me in the belief that john stebbins was the sham husband and that she whom he would have betrayed this huntress maiden was the lost love of my comrade wingrove the sister of my own lillian this would account for the resemblance that had struck me it no longer seemed vague in my memory i could now trace it palpably and clearly and this was the grand beauty upon which the young backwoodsman had so enthusiastically descanted often had he described it to my incredulous ear i had attributed his praises to the partiality of a lover's eye having not the slightest suspicion that their object was possessed of such merits no more should i question the justice of his admiration nor wonder at its warmth the rude hyperbole that had occasionally escaped him when speaking of the girl as he called her no longer appeared extravagant in truth the charms of this magnificent maiden worthy of metaphoric phrase perhaps had i seen her first before looking upon lillian that is had i not seen lillian at all my own heart might have yielded to this half indian damsel not so now the gaudy tulip 
may attract the eye but the incense of the perfumed violet is sweeter to the soul even had both been presented together i could not have hesitated in my choice all the same should i have chosen the gold and the rose and my heart's preference was now fixed fondly and forever my love for lillian holt was a passion too profound to be otherwise than perpetual it was in my bosom in its innermost recesses all pervading all absorbing there would it cling till death even in those dread hours when death seemed hovering above my head the thought of lillian was uppermost even then did my mind dwell upon the perils that encompassed her path and now that i was myself delivered from danger had i reason to regard the future of my beloved with apprehensions less acute no the horrid scheme which the trapper's story had disclosed in respect to her sister might not she too be the victim of a similar procuration oh heavens it was too painfully probable the more i dwelt upon it the more probable appeared this appalling hypothesis i have already spoken of my experience of mormon life and the insight i had incidentally obtained into its hideous characteristics i have said that the spiritual wife doctrine was long since exploded repudiated even by the apostles themselves and in its place the many wife system had been adopted there was no change in reality only in profession the practice of the mormon leaders had been the same from the beginning only that then polygamy had been carried on sub rosa felicity being no longer dreaded it was now practised openly and above board we termed it polygamy adopting an oriental phrase it is nothing of the kind polygamy presupposes some species of marriage according to the laws of the land but for mormon matrimony at least that indulged in by the dignitaries of the church there were no statutes except such as they had chosen to set up for themselves the ceremony is simply a farce and consists in the sprinkling of a little water by some brother apostle with a few mock mesmeric passes jocosely termed the laying on of hands the cheat is usually a secret performance having no other object than to overcome those natural scruples not very strong among the women of mormon training but which sometimes in the case of young girls of christian education had opposed themselves to the designs of these impudent impostors 
something resembling matrimony may be the condition of a mormon wife that is the wife of an ordinary saint whose means will not allow him to indulge in the gross joys of polygamy but it is different with a score or two of well-to-do gentlemen who finger the finances of the church the tents and other tributes which they contrive to extract from the common herd among these the so-called wife is regarded in no other light than that of une femme entraineur i knew that one of the duties specially enjoined upon those emissaries termed apostles is to gather young girls from all parts of the world the purpose is proclaimed with all the affectation of sanctified phraseology that they should become mothers in the church and by this means lead to the more rapid increase of the followers of the true faith this is the public declaration intended for the common ear but the leaders are actuated by motives still more infamous their emissaries have instructions to select the fairer forms of creation and it is well known that to make converts of this class have their energies been more especially devoted it was this species of proselytizing alas too often successful that more than aught else had roused the indignation of the backwoodsmen of missouri and illinois and caused the expulsion of the saints from their grand temple city of nauvoo in the ranks of their assailants were many outraged men fathers who looked for a lost child angry brothers seeking revenge for a sister lured from her home lovers who lamented a sweetheart beguiled by that fatal faith and no doubt the blood of the pseudo-saints there and then shed was balm to many a chafed and sorrowing spirit in the category of this uxorious infamy no name was more distinguished than that of him on whose shoulders the mantle of the prophet had descended the chief who now held ascendancy among these self-styled saints and who with an iron hand controlled the destinies of their church a man cunning and unscrupulous a thorough plebeian in thought but possessed of a certain portentous polish well suited to deceive the stupid herd that follows him and sufficient for the character he is called upon to play a debauchee boldly declared and scarcely caring for the hypocrisy of concealment above all an irresponsible despot whose will is law to all around him and when needing enforcement 
can at any hour pretend to the sanction of authority from heaven such is the head of the mormon church with both the temporal and spiritual power in his hands legislative executive and judicial united the fiscal too for the prophet is sole treasurer of the tenths this monster of imposition wields a power equalled only by the barbaric chiefs of africa or the rajahs of india it might truly be said that both the souls and bodies of his subjects are his and not their own the former he can control and shape to his designs at will as for the latter though he may not take life openly it is well known that his sacred edict issued to the destroying angels is equally efficacious to kill woe betide the latter-day saint who dares to dream of dissent or apostasy woe to him who expresses disaffection or even discontent too surely may he dread a mysterious punishment too certainly expect the midnight visitation of the danites exercising such influence over mormon men it is almost superfluous to add that his control over mormon women is yet more complete virtue assailed under the mask of a spiritual hypocrisy is apt to give way alas too easily in all parts of the world but in a state of society where such slips are rather a fashion than a disgrace it is needless to say that they are of continual occurrence the practice of the pseudo-prophet in wife-taking has very little limit beyond that fixed by his own desires it is true he may not outrage certain formalities by openly appropriating the wives of his followers but should he fancy to become the husband of their daughters not only is there no opposition offered on the part of the parent but the base proposal is regarded in the light of an honor so esteemed it by the women from whom marion holt had run away the brave girl preferring the perils of starvation and savage life to such gentle companionship thus contemplating the character of the vulgar alcibiades for whose harem she had been designed in full knowledge of the circumstances which now surrounded her sister how could i dream the situation of lillian otherwise than similar her destiny the same with such a tyrant to betray such a father to protect no wonder that i trembled for her fate no wonder that the sweat forced from me by my soul's agony 
broke out in bead drops upon my brow. End of chapter eighty.